Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from South Dakota is a return visit from Steve Pree. Steve is president of Integrity Insights International and somebody who's been active in the ethics community for, well, geez, even before I was here, which was more than 20 years ago now. Uh, Steve, thanks for taking the time to join us again. It is a pleasure, Adam. I'm a little jealous. Your title has got, I don't know, that's like a 30-second title, and mine is just uh, Chief Cook and Bottle Washer. No, that's okay. You know, titles don't mean everything. Substance is what counts. <laughs> and uh, and in fact, uh, I've been, I celebrated my 60th birthday about 10 days ago, and with that celebration, thank you, uh, I marked uh, 30 years in the business ethics and compliance field. So half my wow. life now, Adam, I've been working in this vineyard. Crazy. Wow. That's great. Well, and the vineyard's been lucky to have you. Now, and, <laughs> Thank you. and I got to say, your your topic from the 2020 Compliance and Ethics Institute really reflected the perspective of someone who's been doing it a long time. Uh, your session was entitled, This is Not the Hill I'm Going to Die On, and other rationalizations used by even the very best compliance professionals. Um and then in parentheses, this session should make you uncomfortable. Uh, it's a very unusual <laughs> approach you took, to say the least. What drew you to want to present this topic and in this way? Well, really like you, Adam, uh, you with your 20 years, me with my 30 years, I've developed a lot of close relationships with ethics and compliance officers and other ethics and compliance professionals. And uh, th there are more struggles involved with the job than I think um, than I think the advertising suggests. And so if some people who I care deeply about have struggled and struggled and sometimes quit jobs and sometimes lost jobs because they either did the right thing or they didn't do the right thing deftly. So, so that was the main driver. And then the rationalizations approach, you know, uh, I think I wrote my first my first presentation about rationalizations in 1991. Looked it up. Um, so I've I've been big on what we as normal, mainly ethical human beings have said to ourselves in order to justify actions that are maybe not praiseworthy. But the field that you and I um, are infatuated with, uh, social psychology and behavioral economics, also gives a great deal of weight to rationalization. So those are the big reasons. Plus, I've had some personal challenges in this regard myself that I'm happy to talk about. Well, we'll get into all of that. Now, let's start with a big overarching issue, which is, you know, for a compliance officer, you know, they say to themselves, I want to do my job right, but I don't want to do it in a way that gets me fired and allows the company to do something potentially catastrophic. Hmm. What's the way to find the balance there? Yeah. Well, the good news, kind of good news, is I want to tease that that uh, situation up into two parts. Um, one is um, I I want to do the right thing and not lose my job or not lose favor. And the other is, um, man, oh, man, as we're doing something potentially catastrophic for employees or customers or the public, and I want to make sure we don't hurt them. Thankfully, the latter is far less common than the former. And thankfully, the former 
mainly has to do with people. But that's, that's the good news. The bad news is I don't see an easy, bright line here, especially um, when, when there's potential catastrophe, I think, and we can talk about that later too, there are several bright lines. But when it's an internal issue and, uh, and a delicate issue, uh, there's not an easy bright line. I think the 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 way that I would strive to strike the balance is ask myself or someone I really trust, how does my proposed course of action or inaction affect my reputation? Because without a good reputation with senior leaders, you're, you know, shunted aside. And without a decent reputation among the rank and file, and by the way, that as you know, as everybody who's practices for a while, somehow the rank and file develops impressions of of ethics and compliance professionals even if they've never met you so it's that it's looking at how do i keep my reputation intact in order to be the most effective that that would be my my judgment test yeah and that's not an easy thing to do especially given no. the fact that you know so many people have already as you said made their own conclusions about compliance based on past experience or just what they think in their mind i mean i often joke that life is a Rorschach test. It really doesn't matter what the inkblot is. People just you know, come up with their uh, impressions of it. But yeah. one issue there uh, along this line is I think one of the biggest binds is between the fact that people don't want to be seen as the department of no, uh, but that's right. how they're perceived. And they also need to sometimes put the brakes on when the company is clearly driving straight at a cliff and doesn't necessarily yeah. realize it. Um, What's the right way to raise the issue without raising everyone's hackles over this? <laughs> um, let's do the drive off the cliff thing first, uh, because it's the most serious. Maybe not the most serious if you're about to lose your job, but the most serious with societal and corporate impact. I, I would suggest the um, the the first the first task. Unless it's an emergency, I mean, unless something is going to happen, unless the dam above a, a Brazilian village is going to collapse imminently, that's a whole different story. But if it's not that, um, the first job is to consult your network subtly. Um, see if you have others, if, if you have support among senior leaders, I would say, especially the general counsel, but having a business person on your side is really important. If you don't have support there, maybe either way, um, you're gonna need some support from the audit committee of the board of directors. Uh, and I'm gonna do a parenthesis here. Y you, if you accept an ethics and compliance officer position, the top job, and you don't currently have a charter that defines the your, your function, uh, including, uh, set reasons when you need to report something to the audit committee and not being able to be fired except with the approval of the audit committee. If you don't have that going in, that should be your first job in the first month or two or three, because without those things, I have seen far too many really good people doing the right thing, lose their jobs. So um, that's the first. Other After that, I've had, uh, I have a very good friend, uh, who's a bold, assertive ethics compliance officer. 
Um, she used to call out when it was a one-on-one -on -one conversation about a course of action that she thought was not great. She would get out a piece of paper and say, okay, here's what we should do. Let's just write this down, what your proposed action is or inaction, and then um, we'll both sign it. And those, uh, a lot of those proposals to her rapidly disappear under the weight of uh, a, a transparent document that's signed. Hmm. Yeah, it's putting things in black and white and really a good way to let people understand uh, what they're doing. It makes me think about a, a compliance officer who had the rule that if there was something that was out of policy for uh, expenses, um, it would have to be reviewed by the board and uh, yeah. the CEO wanted to If it was a senior something. level executive, yeah. Right. And he said, yeah. sure, um, just can you prepare the note to the board? And the person was exactly. like, exactly. Uh, let me think about this again. Now, yeah, that, yeah. that leads into a related area, which is any kind of an issue involving leadership is always mm -hmm. more difficult, particularly when they trot into sensitive areas, whether it's an allegation of improper relationship, yeah. even if consensual or conflict of interest. And both are cases where the individual the allegations are against is likely to say, hey, I haven't done anything wrong. Where do you go from there? Is that something where you go, you need the board right away? Well, um, First, let, let me put that in a little perspective, which is, and, and you probably have a number of cases you could think of. I'd love to hear your perspective. Um, conducting an investigation with high-level people is uh, presents the situation with the highest likelihood of getting you fired. Um, because uh, these guys in, the, in many of the huge companies we're talking about, and mainly guys, some women, you know, compensation packages in the millions of dollars and they're very sensitive to keeping that compensation and keeping their reputations intact so you have to be really careful um, in how you do this i'll just refer back to my earlier point which is why having set uh requirements in a charter that the audit committee has approved of is really really helpful so those charters will set out you know if if there's a uh, allegation that when investigated could be credible involving a senior level executive we go to the audit committee of the board and then there are some options uh you can say you know within 24 hours you can say after a brief review of that situation indicates that there could be merit um i what i wouldn't do is go down the road of well let me let me uh let me do a 30-day investigation on this and then um, and if there's credible evidence, then I'll report it to the audit committee. There's too much opportunity in that 30 days or 20 days for um, for bad things to happen. So better to act sooner rather than later, regardless what path you take. Now, you mentioned one area, the charter, as something that comes up pretty much no matter what the major issue is. Are there any other commonalities between the really tough challenges that compliance people should note so that they're better prepared for any challenge that comes up? Well, here's what I recommend to ethics and compliance officers, Adam, besides that charter, um, have a personal plan. So the kinds of issues that are the most thorny are fairly uh, common. Um, conflicts of interest among senior executives or favored executives of senior executives or board members. That 
So figure out in advance how you're going to handle those kinds of issues. You might even have, based on personality, you might have to update that. You know, if it's the CEO, she might have one kind of personality. If it's the general counsel and you report to him, he might have another. So you can even get that granular, but spend an hour or two preparing. So conflict of interest is one. Uh, reports of allegations of sexual misconduct by senior executives is incredibly and unfortunately still hmm, far too common. Um, and uh, the, le the less common one, but you should prepare for the doomsday if I'm in the the toy business and we find out that uh, a product of ours has killed a couple of people you want to prepare for that if you're pick the business highest risk uh prepare for how you would address that kind of issue and by the way um some of those things would be great topics of conversation for training with board members and senior executives so that's two things so far the plan the charter the personal plan the other two things um, or the, other, the, the next thing is to me really important, which is think about what you would go through if you were in one of these challenging situations and then recognize that your employees, for the most part, will go through the exact same things, the exact, exact same questions. Should I report or not? Will they respond well or not? Will I lose my job or not? So this should increase your empathy for the real life situations of your people. And lastly, and unfortunately, I would document, uh, in a challenging situation, I would document everything. Well, document, document, document comes up over and over again. And you know, as you were talking about the idea of putting yourself in the heads of employees, it certainly raises an interesting question, both in terms of training as posing for people what the scenario would be, and particularly for management, helping them understand what implications are for bad decisions um, by yeah. taking through all the things that might happen. Well, Steve, yeah. as always, it's great talking to you and thanks for sharing your insights. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletaup from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective.